Welcome to another session of WeConnect, where we explore the ideas, companies, and key players that continue to raise the bar in e-discovery. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the e-discovery channel. This is Tom O'Connor from lovely downtown recovering from Hurricane Ida, New Orleans, where we actually feel lucky to be in as good a shape as we are compared to the rest of the uh, uh, of Southeast Louisiana outside of New Orleans, which is still devastated. Uh, Rocky, coming to us from Tel Aviv, as always. I am over here in Tel Aviv. Yep. Ducking and weaving the Israeli Secret Service still? Still, still trying to avoid them as much as I can. So. <laughs> Ian, we, we get him every every week because the, the latest prime minister of uh, Israel lives just down the street from Rocky. So wow. his street is awash with security at least that's his that's his story i don't know and and just to make things fun he decided not to move to like the israeli white house right so it's actually living a couple doors down and so it's uh it's it's good times over here so but this week the excitement was they cut off all our power and and uh and internet for for like six hours we don't know what they were doing but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they might be listening to this call. So we went to DEFCON one, or they were installing a, a new cloud in the neighborhood, right? Yeah, something like that. So all well, good, all good. Well, we are really pleased to have with us today a, a, a person I've known for more years than I will admit to. Um, both of us had bright red hair when we met. Um, this is Ian Campbell, uh, who is the founder, CEO, chief cook and bottle washer of Iconite. Is there anything at Iconite you don't do, Ian? Uh, yeah, I, I certainly don't code, um, and uh, we have really smart people for that. But I, I have lots of ideas. I'm always thrown into the ring. There you go. You're the idea guy. Uh, just, just keep thinking, Bush. That's what you're good at, right? That's right. <laughs> um, so uh, before but, we before we start with the formal questions, I got to ask. A lot of people in their office have like trophies and awards and certificates and diplomas. Can you tell us what those things are up on the shelf behind you? I, I um, recognize one of them. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I think one of them is a Knob Creek, uh, a, a Knob Creek, uh, a bourbon. Uh, we're, we're saving that for. Yeah, I think we're saving that for a special day. I will actually. Uh, I'm going to grab my camera for a second and, and move over here and show you that that's actually on my wall, which is uh, four pictures of the Twin Towers, and um, wow. and that was actually from a calendar that I purchased. Um, uh, a, I guess uh, over 20 years ago, and um, when I found it, uh, it was uh, a little outdated. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to put that up to show me that things can change any day. And um, yeah. and we're all uh, we're all we're all blessed to be here. And um, uh, so that that so people ask, why have you got uh, four pictures of the twin towers on your wall? And it's a constant reminder to me to be uh, very thankful for for where I'm at and and what I'm doing. Rocky, you notice how he definitely dodged answering the question. You should have been a politician. You sound like the president at a press conference. Uh, I, I, I'm just looking to segue over to like, look at the, look at, never yeah, mind. Well, yeah, I got to yeah. see what else is back up there. Oh, you know what? I, there, there's actually, hang on, I'll, I'll show you what else is here. Bobblehead. Okay. Uh, soccer player. Is that you? Certainly. That's actually you. An, that's actually an Ian bobblehead that uh, yeah. that I got, and uh, I'll show you. Kind of, it's actually not bad. Nice. Yeah. It's actually nice. Not bad. I like it. 
So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually, I, I, I actually own a soccer club. So we, uh, I've got uh, lots and lots of soccer memorabilia in and around my office, in and around my house. So. We were talking before we went live. It, your, your, your club is. Uh, I noticed you said soccer and not football, so it's not to confuse our, our, our U.S. listeners, right? right. That's right. That's right. He, he knows how to talk to the general population. It's, that's it's, right. That's right. Your club is Tottenham. You said. Uh, yeah, that, in in EPL, yeah, I, I certainly follow Tottenham. Been been to a few games there, as I've mentioned with uh, with Graham Smith, formerly of Live Note, now with Opus Two. So it's uh, we've uh, we've always had fun at those games, and uh, you know, and, and again, you know, we'll see how they make out this year. They had they had a great run at the beginning, and then they uh, they had a hard weekend. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, I, as I said also earlier. You deserve a special certificate on the wall up there for surviving an evening with Graham Smith. <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> yeah, but but I think we need to avoid talking about any sports in this one because yeah. uh, we're coming yeah. off a rough NFL weekend for not for not for the New Orleans Saints. We came off a very good weekend. Thank you. <laughs> this yeah. will all change next week. You know, exactly. they even added a game this year just to prolong our misery. You know, God. <laughs> So, so Ian, here's the thing: is as as Rocky said, we like to, you know, kind of let people get a sense of who some of the folks in the in the profession are. Tell us how you got started in this crazy business. I mean, uh, I mentioned you're you're Canadian. You're, you're coming to us from Toronto. Yeah, just outside Toronto. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. um it's gonna be hot today. It's gonna be like I don't know, 85, 86, something like <laughs> that. But 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 uh, hot hot for us. The, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But um, uh, but lots and lots of thunderstorms last couple of weeks been. Uh, it's, right. I think I think we're getting the uh, the remnants of what you've been dealing with down there. So yeah, yeah. And so and, how did you get into our wacky business? Yeah. You know, how how long have you been at 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 iConnect, I guess. Found- uh, you know, I, I started a company called Interlaw um, in 1999. Um, uh, I, iConnect sold its first system in, uh, in March of 2000, uh, right after Legal Tech. We demoed it a couple of times at Legal Tech in 2000, and it went from there. Um, and uh, But I had been uh, sort of involved in, uh, I was a concordance trainer, was a live note trainer. I got to travel the world um, doing those things in the late 90s. And uh, but how I kind of got into it was I was doing live note training. I have an advertising background. I'm an industrial design um, engineer. So we uh, I've always been in and around lots of graphics and lots of workflows and making things comfortable for people. And um, I was working on uh, concordance uh, training for a client and in Toronto, actually. And um, it was a Red Cross case. And they said, well, how do we get to this information from 18 different locations across the country? Because because we got all this data in Toronto, but we need to get to it from Vancouver and Montreal. And I said, I don't know, leave it with me. And my brother was a C++ programmer. And um, uh, they had just built a highway in Toronto where they scanned your license plates. And uh, he was working on that project full time, but part time. I said, hey, can you give me a hand with this? Is there a way to layer the internet on top of the database? And at the time, Concordance, some of your listeners may remember, had a DLL. And we licensed the DLL and we started playing with it. And we effectively built a web front end for Concordance. Uh, so this was, this was in late 99. And I took it to the ownership group at, uh, at Dataflight Software in California and had got them on the phone, showed it to them and said, do you think this is, you know, of interest to you? And they said, ah, you know what? It's not really our sweet spot. This whole Internet thing is pretty new. But but if you want to do it, you go ahead. So we did. And um it went from there, and uh, at the time, um, uh, one of the people at um, 
at, at data flight, Cindy Williams, she joined me because she had a really strong oh, yeah, relationship. With, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, she had a great relationship with all of sort of the vendors. And we went on our on our bike to go and talk to anybody who had a copy of Concordance. And um, so we continued that till around 2003, 2004. Um, at that point, we flipped over into um, Oracle as a backend because Oracle had a very strong search engine. And we were getting more and more requests from corporate clients saying, um, can I run it against my, my own data instead of just my litigation data? And so we built a layer which allowed iConnect then to be a web front end for Oracle. Uh, that changed over to SQL in 2008. Um, and it just continued from there. I mean, and I've always been very much of the evangelist and the idea guy. I've got reams and reams of paper sitting in my office of sketches and ideas and, and ways to kind of look over the horizon. Um, some of them fly, some of them don't. Um, they always say that um, if, if you've got ideas, either uh, run with them or kill them early. <laughs> and um, right. And uh, so so we do that. We've got a whole kind of uh, vetting process that when we have a, a good idea for a feature or an enhancement to the platform, we run it through a bit of a screening um, and a lot of the ideas never make it their way into code um, because we just can't figure out how to monetize it. We can't figure out how to roll it out. We can't. It's going to impact too many other areas of the platform. So we're always looking for ways to bring value, um, but it's a struggle. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm digressing from your question here. It's a bit of a struggle as a software development company because you've got uh, our existing clients who want faster, smarter, stronger. And then you've got new prospect clients who are always looking at the, the competitive landscape and they're always asking for things you don't have yet. Right. And, uh, yeah. Why can't and, you do and, that yeah. thing that Acme software does? Right, yeah. but, yeah. but even, even further to that, we try to look over the horizon and develop things that people aren't even asking for right. because we wanna have those things that are quite unique. I mean, we've got thumbnail mode and we've got the ability to switch the language of your interface. And those are things that are very commonplace in other regular generic software programs where they're quite unique in e-discovery. Yeah. And, um, so, and so we in, kind of thought about those things. Automated redaction was something we were working on three or four years ago before anybody had it. So it, it's one of those things that um, uh, it's always that struggle back and forth of do you optimize for your current client base or do you are you really focused on features? And um, so I'm the idea guy. I'm, I'm always pushing dev with new ideas and, and, and new ways to, 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 uh, to kind of reinvent the software. And, and um, yeah, and that's where we are today. So, I, so I, again, to, to answer your question, I started really in the, the e-discovery business uh, around 99. Prior to that, I was doing concordance and, and uh, live note training in the late 90s. iConnect kicked off in 2000. We've never looked back. And uh, so, I mean, Cindy, uh, Cindy how, left. How, yeah, yeah, how did you actually get into legal to begin with? Yeah, let me, exactly. Oh, sure. How did yeah, you go yeah. from whatever college you went to in, in advertising yeah, into right into this well you know a friend of mine in around 94 um i'd been in advertising for years i'd run my own company in advertising uh -huh. um we got caught in the crossfire of macintosh computers uh -huh. which was the first WYSIWYG computer where people could see it themselves on screen and laser printers and um so we had a, a business where we were doing things like the top 40 uh song sheet for the local radio station and price lists for plumbing companies. And I'm sorry, and this all is the, all in Toronto? Yeah, yeah, correct. And all of a sudden they could do it themselves. They, they went and bought a Mac and a laser printer. And so, <laughs> you know, and, and we saw the, you know, we started to see a lot of our bread and butter accounts 
were kind of doing it themselves. And of course, at the time, early Macintosh computers, there was a new Mac coming out like every three months, right? And so we were leasing equipment and uh, six months later, it was it was old archaic equipment and they needed an upgrade because now it was color and then it was, you know, that, and then PageMaker came out and Quark Express and all those other sort of uh, graphic design programs. So it, it was the time to get out of advertising and, and we did, um, and, or I did. And a friend of mine um, had a computer company and they were doing networks for law firms. And um, so they were doing um, uh, Cat5 cabling and token ring, which was the other one that was around back in the day. Oh, yeah. And um, so, yeah, 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 it was out. Novell 5.1 was out at the time. And um, uh, so, yeah, we were running networks and, and doing things for law firms. Ah. And that, um, that got me into um, a friend of mine said, hey, there's a big show down down in New York, you should go check it out because there's even more toys in our industry you've never even seen before. So I went to my first legal tech, I think it would have been 95. And um, and I'll actually remember the very first uh, the night I was there, I got there the night before the show and I didn't really know anybody. So we're, um, we're, my brother and my two brothers came down with me and we were walking to uh, Carmine's, which is on 50, uh, maybe 48, somewhere around there, around Broadway. And we went by the NBC store and there was a signed Seinfeld script, and I'm, at, but it was expensive. It was like two hundred and fifty dollars, you know. And I didn't have two hundred fifty dollars, so it was like, do I, don't I, do I, don't I? No, I'm not going to do it. Then we talk, talked about it at, at, at dinner, and I said, let's go back and buy it. And um, went back, and um, and the store was closed. And then I was at the show, and then I was back in my car, and I was driving back to Canada. So uh, unfortunately, uh, to this day, my experience of my very first legal tech was oh yeah that's the show I didn't buy the the science Seinfeld script so I so, but um, but no you know at, at legal tech um, I kind of wandered around and went oh look a dongle for a photocopier I know summation was out then concordance was out then live note was a big player case central had just hit the market um, so uh, these were all it was like a I was like a starry eyed child walking around legal tech and. Um, so that, and again, that's where I met Cindy, and and uh, and we sort of formed formed a, formed a bond from there. And uh, she eventually joined the company, and then left in 2014. But um, uh, overall, uh, yeah, that was my that was my foot in the door. So I I became a concordance trainer, became a live note trainer, traveled the world doing that um, as we were doing networks for law firms. And then in '99, um, I decided to uh, to go out on my own uh, with the relationship with concordance, and we invented iConnect, and it went from there. Cool. That's cool. So, you know, it, it's it's funny um, talking about like going to your first show and, and it's almost like going to your first rock concert, right? You know, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, not quite the same. <laughs> I'd still rather go see see uh, 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 some live music. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it's something that that really is eye opening for a lot of people. And especially yeah. back then. How many people were there? Probably were there even a thousand people at the show? Uh, I mean, you know what? Uh, it, it, ILTA hadn't started. That uh, was LawNet was the other show that was around at that point. It was in San Francisco, um, and uh, so LawNet and Legal Tech were one too. I mean, I mean, last year would have been the one that got canceled would have been my twenty fifth Legal Tech. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and most of it was spent probably standing in that in that breezeway uh, <laughs> between the, the right. third floors. That's right. Well, yeah, the funny story. So the the one year they they kind of Hilton kind of screwed up the maps a little bit, and we thought we were buying we we're getting a booth that was right at the top of the stairs where the coffee guy always is. 
And okay. it turned out that we weren't. We were getting one kind of around the door. And we were like, that's not right. That, that's not what your map showed. And they kind of agreed. They said, yeah, you're right. You're right. And we went, what about this big hallway here? How about we just set up in there instead? And um, in order to uh, avoid the, uh, confrontation, they went, sure, just go ahead and do that. Whatever. So right. we, were, we were in that. We were, yeah, whatever. Just, just go do it. So we did. We, we set up. Our booth was, I think, only like five feet wide. Um, and, but it was long, it was like 20, 30 feet long. And, um, so we were there for probably four or five years until evidently the fire, fire marshal came along and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. If there's a problem, you guys are blocking the, the breezeway, get out. So the following year we were told we could no longer be in the breezeway, but, uh, yeah, we were in that breezeway probably for three or four years. Got yeah. it. Now, speaking of conferences, um, I connect actually for a while was running your own user conference yeah. as well, right? Yeah. How, Years, yeah. How many years did you guys do that? Oh, I'm going to say five, maybe five. And we had some good ones. We uh, we put everybody on a cruise boat out of Galveston down to Mexico. That right. was a fun one. We uh, we brought in Lewis Black, uh, the uh, the the comedian. Uh, uh, that was a little off color, but, uh, <laughs> but it was great. It was really funny. The, uh, I can't I can't even tell you his opening joke because it, 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 I'm sure half your your listeners will hang up. But right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, I remember looking over at Browning Marie and, and Linda Alele, who was at O'Melveny at the time, and wondering if they were laughing or if they were going to walk out because right. it was really, really edgy stuff and and, uh, and they were laughing. I mean, it, it was fantastic. So, um, but um, yeah, we also had um, uh, from the Amazing Race, uh, the um, uh, whose name escapes me right now, will come to me, uh, the guy who's the host of the Amazing Race. And we actually did an Amazing Race I Connect. Um, conference in um in palm springs and um and it was great uh we we had a real fun time there and uh and, and again lots of lots of fun but also lots of education and, and did um, mark tamaga come down and run like 400 miles to to help with that or <laughs> no no it, it was it was good but you know you had to dive to the bottom of the pool and get golf balls and spell a word and yeah and you had to yeah, you know, tamaga, had, i don't know if you know mark he's had growlings in in, in toronto okay and, and he's one of those He's one of those super uh, run. I don't know what they call them, but they don't just do a marathon. They like run through okay. the Gobi Desert, uh, and then they bicycle, you know, from Paris to Moscow. And, and <laughs> yeah. he, you know, yeah. he competes in those things. He's crazy. Perfect. Well, you know, I, we had a rock wall. We had, we had all kinds of fun stuff there. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, it, it, it was good. I mean, uh, to be frank, what happened though around 2000? I'm gonna say 10, 11. As you guys know, the banking crisis hit. The um, a lot of cases got settled. I remember uh, a lot of our vendors uh, just didn't have projects because they were all settling out. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and and we were no different. I mean, the flip side to that was that when the FDIC came along and started doing all the banking investigations, um, we ended up teaming up with Lockheed Martin and we did that project. So that was that was that was in our. It, in our world, the largest project we've ever done, it was, um, there were 19, there was about 970 banks went bankrupt, 19,000 bank branches that needed to be investigated. And Lockheed had what they called extraction teams. And they would go in, they would fire up the computers, they would extract all the information, they would wipe the hard drives and they'd hand the keys back to the landlord. And they brought all that data back to Rockville, Maryland and started dropping it into an iConnect system. So by the time we were done, there were 44 billion pages of information sitting in iConnect, 1.6 petabytes uh, spread across 19,000 databases. 
and uh, to this uh, probably 450 users. So to this day, I'm not aware of a project that that really ever got that big. And um, that's um, I'm laughing and we because, ran that for a long time. Uh, I was involved uh, on the defense side. A firm in New Orleans represented a, a smaller bank down here, which was one of the targets of the investigation. And and when it came for production time, they you know they they at the meet and confer they offered us the database, and I said I want the native files. I want to I want to see the ex exact files that you copied off of those computers because sure, sure. I know you did. Um, and um, long story short, they couldn't find them. The FDIC could not find them. The, the FBI, of course, who would, had gone in and you know seized them and done the mirrors, they had an evidence chain up the wazoo. They could tell you the yeah. the color suit the guy was wearing who did the mirror <laughs> of the of the computer, but they could not find them and and. They, we won. We won right. basically on a default. We won on penalty kicks, right? <laughs> they literally could not. Uh, there were so, like you said, Ian. There were so many. I, I just had this vision yeah. of a Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse where yeah. they Somewhere where they the had their originals, and they, they yeah. after after six months they could not produce the original mirrors images. Um, and I said yeah. to my guy, "You should move to dismiss." You know that the, this yeah. is. I mean, it's just it's kind of chicken shit, if you if you pardon the phrase, but it's it's a clear violation of the federal rules. And if they don't have the original data, how do they verify that the database they're giving us is accurate? I, um, yeah. You know, they're using that crazy Canadian. Company. I hear you. Who I hear you. Going to give us, you know, so, um, it, it, it was funny. It, like you said, it was so massive. It was it was almost beyond belief. And I'm sure that yeah. somebody and, well, and, and, and so, yeah, so what happened around that time is that we decided to kind of hold our hold our cards closer to our chest. We we, we didn't yeah. do the uh, the conference the following year. And 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 then, you know, the things kind of changed a little bit. The market kind of changed. Other players started to come in and and uh, and take market share. And, uh, you know, so we, we took a step back from that. But at, at the time, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm curious. Do you see something similar going on now? Um, you know, after a year and a half of COVID and canceled conferences, are are people taking a and by people I mean vendors in the vendor community? Are you taking a yeah. a second look at at doing shows? I, I wonder how many of these conferences are going to be able to rebound next year. I, I don't know. I mean, I you know, to be frank, we didn't do Ilta, where, where our name is in the ring for legal tech, so we'll we'll, we'll see where we're at in a few months. To, to make that decision. But I think, um, you know, our, it's interesting in COVID, the one thing we're finding is that people are very curious. Uh, people are very, very open to finding out what else is out there. And I think that's a good thing. They're yeah. investigating a lot of new technologies. They're wondering if what they're using currently is the right thing to be using. So from our perspective, we've done more demos of the iConnect platform in the last year and a half than we've done in the last five years. I mean, wow. and maybe it's because people are sitting at home going hey um i've got an hour to kill now kind of oh, maybe i'll go watch yeah. a demo so that's yeah. really good and our yeah and our and our pipeline is probably 5x what it was in january of 2020. wow however however with that said people are risk averse and people are a little hesitant to be making uh technology decisions um uh when they're sitting at home you know and um and I think that's been one of the challenges is that we've found a ton of interest out there in the market. But when it comes to actually uh, signing on the dotted line, 
um, people are a little risk averse these days. And I, I don't know. I don't know when that changes. But but when it does, it's going to be a tsunami, uh, so, which is really good. Uh, right. But, um, you know, I, I think we're getting close. I hope so, because my business but, um, is falling off uh, the table. I'm waiting to surf that yeah. tsunami, man. <laughs> yeah. So, Ian, let me let me ask you, um, you know, having most of the people who, who we have, uh, unless they work from law firm, tend in our industry tend to jump around a bit and, and you know, haven't been in, in a single place for 20 years or, or, or so. Um Having been in, in, in the same company, same role, really, I mean, obviously it's grown and, and you know, you've taken over the dishwashing or whatever you needed to do at any given time. Um, but what have you seen really in terms of things that have, have truly shifted that like really changed the way that you think about your business and, and the way that you think about how e-discovery is run over the course of, of the 20 years at iConnect? Hey, yeah, before so you answer that, Ian, let me just interrupt. Rocky, are you, are you picking up any of the ambient noise from the trucks outside here? We've got a lot nope. of... Okay. Nope. Good. All good, at least on my end. So. All right. Sorry, Ian. Yeah, no worries. The, um, you know, I, I think the uh, there's been a shift. I think in the mid-2000s, we saw everything go from paper to to electronic. Email hit us like a, like a tsunami. Um, yeah. And... Uh, uh, you know, and, and even today, the amount of email, the amount of digital data being produced. I mean, to, when you re read report after report, every one of them has a zero and a new word of a zettabyte or a whatever. That it just keeps getting bigger. I think the um, with that said, there are companies who um, are now having to use your phrase uh, uh, an oh shit moment when they go, wait a minute, I've got that stuff from ten years ago. What do I do with that? Because that's still relevant, and it's either sitting in boxes or it's sitting um, in, in electronic or, or digital format, and they're kind of going, on, "Do I keep it forever? Like, what if there's something good in there? Like, then there's regulatory compliance issues." But I think more importantly, uh, people don't know what they don't know, and I think that's the challenge. You know, they 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 look at stuff, and uh, and that's anyone from looking at a, an Iron Mountain and and some of the storage companies that they're sitting on boxes and boxes of paper. Um, uh, people who have a cloud uh, where where they're, they they signed up for a cloud, but it's just kind of a uh, I'll call it kind of a dumb cloud. It's just data sitting in a location, and, there, and there's no no intelligence to it. So we're getting more and more requests. Uh, you talk about sort of the change. Um, we're getting more and more requests for people who want to unarchive that data. They want to get rid of the rot, which is the uh, redundant, obsolete, and trivial data which is in that. So that what they're keeping, what they're paying to keep, either digitally or on, on shelving, is in fact the stuff that is important. And I think that's an entire process that is going to continue over the course of the next number of years as people look not back to mid-2000s, but back just a little before that and go, have I got anything from the 90s here? And, um, and there, there's some great, there, there's some great um, tools to be able to to look at the content within it, to look at the metadata of the content, to look at the box profile, let's say, and make some good pragmatic decisions of, of what I should keep and what I shouldn't. And um, and I think that's what we're, that's probably the next challenge that's out there is, uh, is because let's face it, I mean, I, I've got boxes of stuff here in my office. I've got CDs that have things on them from the mid nineties. And I'm kind of right. going, do I throw do it I out? It? I guess I should throw it out. But um, but uh, but I don't. I'm a bit of a pack rat that way. So um, and I think uh, that's just me. 
you know, go and take some of the larger, uh, you know, Fortune 500 companies and look at the kind of challenges they have. And I think there's companies out there are starting to look at that and address that in a very pragmatic way. Um, and that's just the legacy stuff. That doesn't even include the stuff that's being generated every single day. It's being added to the legacy stuff. Right. And I think um, so. I, I think that's a bit of a paradigm shift that started about two or three years ago where people kind of had that, oh, oh my goodness moment. The, the, the little bit more of a focus on the data governance side, on the, yeah. you know, what, what do I actually have? And, and I, I think part of that, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of good tools out there now that weren't available five, even five years ago. Um, 100%, yeah. yeah. So a lot of the analytics tools that, you know, maybe were, were developed for e-discovery initially yeah. or something else and, yeah. and got their main use in e-discovery, now all of a sudden people are realizing, hey, I can actually use this to get a better understanding of my data. And, and yeah, it's a great point in terms of, of that shift of, of mindset. I think also it's, it's interesting that we're seeing in that same um, idea, the, the bringing closer together the e-discovery professionals, which also includes the e-discovery software, with that classic records management, data governance, data management, sure. all of those things coming together, which traditionally was just two separate worlds, you know, yeah. Yeah. Weren't, weren't talking to each other yeah. at all, even though yeah. they should have been. Yeah. So, um, so what from an iConnect perspective, as you look at it from a, a business and from software and, and where you're gonna be furthering the development, how do you incorporate some of those shifts and some of those ideas in, into the platform? Well, you know, uh, privacy is a big part of it. Um, you know, identifying what to keep. It might be keep anything that has a credit card number on it, keep anything that has a passport ID number on it, keep anything uh, that contains any one of these, um, you know, 22 drug names. Uh, we've got tech to do that. I mean, I, we, we, we've gone and adopted uh, the AP technology out of Norway right within the platform, and we do some cool stuff with it. I mean, beyond email threading, and near dupe and some of the other things that are out there um, we're actually using that technology as the foundation for our automated redaction tool and um, and then we built the automated redaction tool which is called cover and then we went wait a minute if we can find it we can actually extract it so then we would an extraction layer so not only can i go in and find all the documents that have visa card numbers in them i can actually extract a listing of the visa card numbers and then we went wait a minute we can now use that for breach detection where we can now go through a, a corpus of data and look for any one of these 22 hot buttons that we're looking for and normalize all the data back to all the various custodians and be able to deliver a report out the back end. So I think, I think that there's a, an ongoing um, use of, of the AI. The other thing that we, we, we did about probably four or five years ago is we developed a way for people to create, I'll call it a fake document, a synthetic document. And um, so, for example, you don't really know. You go to go to an attorney and say, "Well, give me ten words you want us to search for." Well, that's 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 a question. But if we went to a, went to a, an attorney and said, "Hey, create for me a smoking gun document. Create it from scratch. Pretend you you know what you know. And if there was a document that said that, that would be really cool." And so we 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 created that. It's called Exemplar. And um, in we did the BP oil spill case. We're on the plaintiff side of that. One of our one of our vendors uh, did that in uh, in Omaha. And um, uh, they, they had 11 issues they were looking for. It was about 14 pieces of information. And they created 11 fake documents. 
And then they literally threw them at the collection and said, find similar. And all right. of a sudden they got back the, the 300 documents that were probably the ones they should be focused on. So I, I think the, the use of AI, the creative use of API, of AI, the ability to be on a document like you're on Amazon and go, hey, people who looked at this also bought these things. Well, imagine you're navigating and you see a document and go, hey, people who read this document might also be interested in these five documents. Right. And yeah. so we're, we're building out that UI. And I think um, the, the user interface, the UI is really key. And that's kind of my, my special sauce that I bring to the table is the ability to, to be able to take what are, it's, what's extremely complex technology. I mean, uh, you know, Rocky, from, from, from your history in, in, the, uh, in, in companies gone by, I mean, it, it's, it's really thick stuff. However, yeah. you, you cannot present that to a law clerk or a paralegal or, or an attorney. <laughs> they, they want they want the easy button. They want That's the, the hey, I'm gonna type I'm gonna type I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna type type that in, I'm gonna click a button, stuff happens, and I get the nine documents I'm looking for. And that's really what <laughs> we're trying to create with, with the AI. And I think the more and more you see I connect continue to evolve, uh, the more and more you're gonna see that. And we're doing that with AFI. We have another technology called Sentio, which is really cool stuff. It actually yeah. imagine if you will, you've got a whole bunch of manual reviewers. And this is like big brother looking over their shoulder electronically and going, what do you mean Yankee season tickets are a highly confidential document? I'm going to put a red X. I'm going to put a red X on that one. And at the end of the day, all the red X documents get sent to a supervisor to say, hey, we're not sure these ones are accurate. You might want to just double check. Double check. And, um, yeah. and that's extremely powerful stuff, right? So now you've got oversight of a manual review team, which isn't really AI. So from the, from the classic tar uh, that you have to go get approval from someone or the other side, this is the use of AI within your own coding shop that just allows you to make sure you're, you're delivering solid results. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think um, uh, we're, we're really dipping our toe in the AI area. And I think, but the key is, there's lots of good tech out there, but it's all a matter of how can you present it to the user in such a way that they can consume it without knowing they're consuming it. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's what we're working on. Yeah, that, that exemplar that's, feature that's, is something that Browning thing. really liked. But um, I want to focus real quick, if I can, excuse me, Rocky, you, yep. you mentioned security. So how difficult is it for you um, as a software developer? You've got European security requirements, privacy and security right, with, with the GDPR. Um, now the United States has four states and probably another half a dozen in the hopper that are gonna have, the, that do have their own security yep. requirements. Right. Right. Um, I, I don't know what the situation is in Canada, if you have uh, similar statutes up there, but how difficult is that with different standards, statutes, regulations in different jurisdictions to, to be able to keep on top of that? Yeah. You know what? Uh, it, it's uh, to be frank, it's easy because we've gone and built some of the tools that we built to be extremely flexible. All so right. if I'm if I'm doing a, a DSAR and I've got Romanian information, I literally click the link that says "Look for Romanian PII," um, and uh, so we can manage PII from 51 countries. And now that we've gone and written the redaction layer and the search layer and the reporting layer and the extraction layer. Um, we're, we're not that fussed about it. Uh, we, we actually uh, did a demo for a client recently for a DSAR, um, and they had, um, they had this massive, uh, it was like a 35 tab spreadsheet. 
And they were like, well, you know, can it can it redact information from this spreadsheet? This is a this is a beast of a spreadsheet. And um, so we went, OK, let's try it. And we did. We tested it and um, we were looking for um, uh, uh, people's names and uh, job titles. That was the two things we were looking for in it. And um, and uh, Olivia, who was running it internally, it finished in like five seconds. And she went, mm, I, guess that, I, guess, I guess we didn't I guess we didn't find much. Right. right? Uh, because it, because it happened so fast. And then we looked at the file. We had found like eleven hundred artifacts in this thing across all 30 tabs in under five seconds. So I think, um, uh, yeah, yeah, there's some cool tech out there and we're continuing cool. to uh, make it faster, smarter, stronger. And and whether it's CCPA, uh, DSAR, uh, GDPR, whatever's coming at us, I think um, uh, our dev team has always been extremely flexible, which is a good thing and a bad thing because yeah, you have to be flexible, but you can't overwhelm people with with um, with options. You right. know, we'll, yeah, you can't go to Toys R Us and buy a bag of Lego. You, you, you know, because nobody would know what to build with it. You go to Toys R Us and you buy a Starfighter or a castle or a whatever. And, and it's with instructions on what to do with the Lego. And that's what we've really tried to focus on. iConnect is a bit of a bag of Lego, but because we templatize everything and, and sort of show you how to create your own custom workflows with all this Lego, it's been really, really advantageous because now we don't go into a client and go throw away the way you're doing it now in Ringtail or Relativity or or iPro and Catalyst, whatever it is, and do it the iConnect way, we go, oh, is that your workflow? Great, let's show you how you can replicate that in the iConnect platform. And, okay. um, and, and, that, and that's given us a really uh, strong, uh, a strong position in, in talking to people about moving their technology forward. And does Canada have its own GDPR type? Yeah, it's, it's, very, it, it's, uh, it's coming, but it's not heavily regulated. Will time. it be national or provincial, do you think? I th I, th I think it'll be national. Uh, that's um, yeah, uh, but maybe not Quebec. And they 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 kind of they kind of do their own thing, and and uh, and it does cause some it does cause some language complications. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, down here we call that Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. They got it. <laughs> the south. Um, but, the south. But you know, the one thing that I've always noticed uh, about iConnect is, and it probably comes from your background, um, pre pre legal is the fact that that it was it's always had a great ui it's always focused on seamless um you know the all of the pieces seem to work together uh well, monica bay is not listen to this you know you know uh, her, you know her reaction ian to the word seamless her uh, head explodes <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> yeah um but but really i mean it's it, it's it's the simplification of these complex tools that allows attorneys and, and even non-attorneys, even sometimes the technical people to, to be able to make use of it in a, in a way that actually works for them. Yeah, and and that's know, something that a lot of people miss. Yeah, you know, uh, it's the old 80-20 rule. You know, 80% uh, of the people only need these this small feature set. Yeah. Let's yeah. make that right there and whack the rest of it into an advanced button. And um, and we find that therefore people can get in and do their, their work. Eighty percent of the people can do their work. And for that yep. 20 percent who want to get out the wrenches and pliers and screwdrivers and, and really start to play with it, they can open up that advanced panel and they can have levers and toggles all day long. It's no different than your smartphone. You know, you go into that gear icon, you go two, two levels deep. There's a lot of options in there. 
But I'd say 90% of the people never I click on the gear it. icon, other yeah. than, you know, they just don't. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, so, so we've kind of adopted that. But uh, to be frank, I think one of the challenges in our business right now is a level of expectation because people understand in their smartphone, they're very, very comfortable. Download an app, start using it. Nobody downloads an app and spends a week in a training class. Right. You know, in fact, you'd be you'd be hard pressed to, for them to download an app and watch more than a two minute video. So um, even from that perspective, Olivia Kane, who runs our technical uh, technical services department, you know, we've gone and taken what used to be an hour long training curriculum. And now it's a whole series of little two minute snippets that you can yeah. easily get yeah. to. Very smart. Because because that's what you need. That's what you need to know right now. And I think um, I, I think that's that's uh, that's a trying to address that level of expectation where it should be easy. If it's it's not easy, I'm on to something else. Because right. um, because I, I mean, you know, we all have that on the internet. I mean, our we used to be quite comfortable with pictures, you know, loading like this. And now if it if it if it doesn't show up in sub three seconds, I'm out. Oh, My three internet's seconds. Full, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even even sub second. If it doesn't work in sub second, I'm phoning Jim from tech support because something's wrong. Yeah. You know, and um, so I, I think that level of expectation uh, is it's a big burden for tech companies because you have to operate at, at that at that yeah. level. And, um, you know, it forces us to bring up our game. Um, we actually launched our, our version 10 of iConnect and our, our version 11 is coming in the new year. Nobody knows that yet, but you can tell that. And, and, and our, our new version is based on Elasticsearch. And, um, and we're, we're doing that mainly because we, we have found that some of the technologies that we had adopted in 2013, 14, um, just aren't optimized for the, some okay. of the HTML uh, feeds and, and feeds and speeds that are out there now. So. We're always upgrading. Of course, browsers are changing. It seems like I'm getting a, a Google update or an Edge oh. update every three weeks. And yeah. um, you know, three and our weeks. testing people yeah. go, they go crazy for that. You know, it's like, oh, now we got to test it on another version. Right. Um, and um, which is fine. I mean, we've got a very strong QA department, and everything gets tested before it goes out. But um, but, but those are some of the challenges as a software developer of trying to keep up with this peripheral technology that don't be wrong, we need it in order to work. We need tablets and we need browsers and that's-, but it's that's the, Yeah, it, but it's challenging. Right. It's, challenge, it's challenging because they're always leapfrogging us and we have to keep up. So Tom, I think uh, unfortunately, we have come to that point in time where uh, right. you're, you're gonna have to take us out with a, a question or two. All right, well, I have two questions, Ian. Well, actually I have three. Uh, Ooh, real quick, no, no, real quick. You mentioned your your passion for football. Um, uh, uh, you're a budding screenplay writer, right? Uh, y y yes, y yes, I am. I, although I haven't done it as much as I used to when I was in hotel rooms and, and airports <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Because uh, you know, I, I, now instead of having two hours of downtime in my hotel room, I got two hours and go. I better go cut the grass. Uh, right. But. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I, 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 I got into that. I was an executive producer on a movie uh, called Gridlocked. It's actually available on Netflix if you want to watch it. It's uh, got uh, Danny Glover and Dominic Purcell and uh, Stephen Lang, who's the bad guy in Avatar. Uh, so it's called Gridlocked. It's on Netflix. You can go, go rent it now. And, uh, but I was, an exec <laughs> I, I was an executive producer on that movie, and it kinda, I, I kind of caught, caught the bug a little bit bug. and uh, really enjoyed it. Went to the, the red carpet event in Austin, Texas, and and um, uh, there was always this, um, 
I've always enjoyed writing. And, uh, and so I started writing and I taught myself how to write screenplays. And I realized I'm pretty good at it. Um, and I, I think because of what we do, reading contracts all the time, you got something on page one that has to tie into something on page 17 that has to tie into something on page 23. And that's how movies work. You have to have these sort of arcs that are sort of interconnecting. And um, so, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've written one based on um, uh, Pink Floyd's making of Dark Side of the Moon in 1973. And I've been working with uh, various uh, agencies and band members on that one. We'll see how far that goes. Um, I've written one uh, based on a Douglas Copeland novel called Miss Wyoming, which is kind of a cool one. We'll see where that one goes. And then the uh, one I just recently completed is based on a soccer team from Edinburgh, Scotland from 1895 called uh, St. Bernard's. Cool. And it's, it's actually called When the Saints, like the song. So it, uh, wow. And there's this great crescendo at the end where the, uh, they start singing the When the Saints song in the background uh, as sort of as part of the finale. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, awesome. it's a real fun one. That's something I really enjoy. You say When the Saints, are you talking about the Saints go marching in? Absolutely. Oh, well, uh, our, 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 our national anthem down here in New Orleans. Yeah. You just, you just hit, um, hit Tom's sweet spot. So, so my next question is, um, this is the, the, the blind question that we, we, we go to people. You mentioned earlier being a concordance trainer. Um, and back in those days, I, I knew you as a concordance trainer, but I was a summation guy. Got so it. We never worked together. We, we would see each other places, but we were All always right. on, on opposite yep. side of the fence. Right. So in that vein... Beatles or Stones? Oh, Beatles, 100%. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This, interview, this interview is over. Um, <laughs> Tom, you realize that, that we've been, like, you know, beating you 20 to 1 here, right? <laughs> yes, I, I, I do I, realize I, that. Thank you very I, much. Thank I, you for I, reminding I, me. Just put that out there. <laughs> and I did enjoy that movie that, that came out. It was called Yesterday. It came out about a year and a half. Oh, ago. yeah, that was a great movie. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. I, I, I've never been a huge Stones fan. I, I just ne never really. Uh, but, you know, I, I was also listening to uh, Depeche Mode and Flock of Seagulls when other people were listening to Bruce Springsteen. And, uh, you know, so. <laughs> oh, so I think I just yeah. spit up in my mouth a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Watts just yeah, rolled over his grave. Dean Fever by saying when the Saints go marching in. And you just lost it all. That's it. Yeah, there you go. exactly. There you so go. last question. The last question, the uh, question we ask everybody. Um, if you could spend a day with somebody from our profession, um, it can be someone who's living or dead, um, uh, someone you'd, you'd really enjoy spending time with, who would that person be? And what would you do? It doesn't have to be work-related. You don't have to be working on a project. You could be going to a Tottenham match like you did with, with Graham. You could be, you know, fishing. You could be working on a screenplay, who would you do it with and what would you do? You know, it's a great question. Um, um, I, I'm going to throw Browning Marine in, in the ring on, on, on this one, uh, you know, no longer with us. But uh, I found every time I spoke to him, spent time with him, he listened. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in this industry are very happy to tell you their thoughts and ideas. And as you're talking to them, you can tell that they're not really listening. They're thinking about what they want to tell you next. And um, and I and I always found um, with Browning, I remember, remember meeting with him in uh, in London, England, uh, when he was over there a couple of times. And, um, uh, you know, we, we just sat down. We actually went for a walk uh, down beside the, um, uh, the down beside the London Wall. And um, it, it, it was great. I mean, we, we literally just talked about the industry, where it was going, where it had been. Um, I, I'd love to resurrect that conversation again. And um yeah. And I think uh, and I but I think the biggest uh, skill that he had was he was very, very open to what's next. 
and he was not stuck in a workflow that he was trying to jam everything into. Uh, he was all about the where can the workflow go from here? How can I continue to improve it? And I think that constant improvement really came with him listening to what was out there. And uh, at the time, we were we were young as, as a company. We had a lot to say. And um, and he was he was a, a big advocate of what we were doing. And I think uh, I'll always remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Great guy. I miss him terribly. Um, uh, uh, same same experience. He just and not just about our profession. He could you know, he would equally well talk about he and I hit it off because we were both fans of a comedy duo from New England where we were both from the Boston area called Bob and Ray. And um, and he would just, we would both be in tears recounting different bits that they did. We could go yeah. for hours just talking about about other subjects. So yeah, yeah. He, he was just yeah. a, but you're right, the ability to listen, yeah. um, a, a skill that people could use, not just in our profession, but in life in general, but Understood. listen to what yeah. the other person is saying. That's not, right. I, I, like your, I like your line. He wasn't prepping for what he was going to say next. He was paying attention to what you were yeah. saying. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Ian, thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And I, I miss, you know, sure. neither one of us ended up at Ilticon this year. And that's typically Ilticon and Legal Tech are the two places I get to, to see you in person. Yeah. Hopefully New York in 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 the next year, although I'm I'm skeptical about my appearance. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, see. But, uh, you know, if not there, someplace down the road. That sounds um, great. Yeah, I always enjoy talking with you and 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 your insights and appreciate well, you know, and, 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 and and Rocky told me that if I said the word karaoke, the interview was over. So so with that, I I will tell you that uh, uh, that that don't let the sun go down on me by Elton John is my go-to, but it's the George Michael version. So uh, uh, good. There you go. Although you would have had a kindred spirit in Gail who never never <laughs> saw a karaoke bar she couldn't go into uh, and, and enjoy. She loved to sing. She. She had been a singer as a young girl and yeah. several people in her family were. And she had a pretty good voice. Uh, although a funny thing, the Ilta that was in Nashville a number of years ago, we went down to the whatever the main drag was. And yeah. She said, oh, we got to go to a karaoke bar. I'm going, all right, honey, that's great. And so um, we went in and um, she sat there and I could see her shrinking in her seat as like the first three singers who got up on the stage could have won American Idol. All right. right. You know, and then we realized, oh, it's natural. These are all people who've come here and they're, they're working as waiters or yeah. cab drivers or whatever, but they've all got great voices. Got something. Yeah. 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 And she said, well, I'm not getting up on that stage. Uh, I'm <laughs> sure she could have held her own. Yeah, well, she revamped. We came back the next night. And she said, to hell with it. I'm going up on the stage. Perfect. Perfect. Tom, Tom, one day I will tell you the story of how Ian made me get up and sing. Uh-oh. Um, which song, but a certain song that was a Moulin Rouge version of the song. If you go through the soundtrack, you can probably figure out which one it is. And it oh was my God. experiences of my life. It was yes, it was done in the voice of William Shatner. It was yes. <laughs> it was epic. Yes. Right. Epic. I, all right. I, I built it for all it was worth. But anyway, <laughs> Ian, thank you. I think now it is time for the interview to be over. But perfect. Sorry, not interview, the chat. Um, no, but really, again, thank you for for joining. It's always great to have you here. Good stuff. Yep. You guys, you guys, stay safe. Thanks again. Thanks. Okay, bye bye. We'll see, uh, we'll see all you folks next time on the Discovery Channel. We connect. Brought to you by iConnect, making information accessible.